is Dmitry Samarov, and you're listening to Blather, but you probably already knew that. This week I bring you a conversation with Adam Gennady. Gennady is uh, a writer, a farmer, and a cassette label mogul, uh, but he'll tell you about himself a lot better than I can. We had a wide-ranging talk about writing, music, uh, living on the land, and uh, a lot more. I hope you enjoy it as much as, as I did. The intro music and outro music uh, from this episode on uh, was generously provided by my good friend Bill McKay. You can learn more about him at BillMcKay.com, at Bandcamp, uh, and all the other usual places. He's one of the really good ones. So look him up. Okay. Now, Adam Gennady. I'm just I'm just super extra weary now because there's like I'm I'm <laughs> I'm just learning as I go how many fucking things can go wrong with this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, I've 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 done interviews where nothing's gotten recorded and it's it's pretty that's pretty frustrating. I know. I know it's terrible. Uh and uh I mean like, you know, bottom line it's just nice to have a good conversation and you know, in the grand scheme of things, uh, whether it's recorded or not, I guess is not the most important thing. But it would be nice because they we're trying to share this with other people. <laughs> right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah. So to th- go ahead. Is, it, is this recording then? You think? Yes. You think this is recording then? Yes. Okay. All right. Cool. I do. Yep. Yeah, this yeah, I actually have never successfully recorded on that other one. Uh my friend had to do it. He he's a podcaster. He's basically a prof- practically a, a professional podcaster. So he offered to record it and then he had to send me the files like through like Dropbox. Uh so that that's why I'm I'm even less confident on that other one than I am on this clean feed thing. And uh yeah, this is the okay. one that, yeah, this is the one that uh, Mallory uses, uh, so that's where I learned about it. <laughs> so, so what's uh, what's your day been like so far, uh, aside from running around town because of me? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'm kind of in that stage of sleep deprivation where I sort of feel like I'm floating around on a cloud. I didn't I didn't sleep last night. And everything's just a little surreal, and time is kind of weird, weirder than it is normally, weirder than pandemic time has been. Yeah. Does that happen to you a lot? You have a, a lot of insomnia type situations. Or? It's, it's yeah. Every, about once a month, I have it really bad, and then I just have to stay up for a while, and it corrects itself. And it's just a matter so of last night was one of those nights. You know, where your thoughts are just like cycling and. You can't stop thinking about the same things over and over again. Yep. And it, there's just no way to no way to 
put yourself down. I'm f- yeah, I'm familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, and and the farm is doing okay. There's no is there flooding or the last thing I heard it rained about like hell last night. Yeah. Yeah, things are things are good. It, it rained pretty hard last night, and there's no flooding, and but everything got really green overnight. Mm. And it's it it looked like I don't know it looked like Ireland or something when I woke up this morning. All the grass and the trees and everything were wet and glistening. It was it was a good thing to wake up to. Well, not wake up to, but to be awake still to. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, you told me when we were scheduling this, uh, even though it was supposed to start whatever hours ago, that you had a farm chores uh, that you did in the morning uh, before, uh, what do those uh, generally consist of? It starts with, uh, we got, we've got a couple dogs in the house and they go outside and they get fed and then there's a uh, barn cats, I feed the barn cats and then mm-hmm. I let, uh, we have sheep and goats, I let the sheep and goats out from their barn so they can go out to their field. They've got um, about like five acres of field that they roam around in and then uh, feed, I usually feed the donkeys a couple of carrots. We've got a couple of donkeys, mm. and then I um, then I open the the gate for the chickens, and the chickens come out of their coop. And it's pretty low key. I mean, it, I'm not like making money as a farmer or doing anything like that. It's more just it's for fun and to to get fed, and grow a lot of food. So it's uh, so it's subsistence basically. It's, it's like sub- subsistence farming, isn't that what that's called, or no? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, some people call it like a hobby farm. I think that oh. might be an insult. But it's, you know, <laughs> it's a hobby. I've been. I mean, I've been doing it for almost a dozen years. So it's maybe more like just yeah. how it is now. Uh, it's just like it's a rea- It's just reality now. Yeah, I mean, a hobby. When I hear hobby, I think you know, model trains or something. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a yo-yo, playing with a yo-yo. Or yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty much like it's pretty much like Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> and you, you, but yeah, you, but yeah, you've been doing this for a while. Would you say like ten years more? Uh, um, what years is this? 2022 yet? That's what it they is, tell us. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, sometimes Apparently. I have to look at my phone and figure it out. But yeah, I guess it's been, it's been about 12 years, which seems like a long time, and it's hard to remember what things were like before that. Right. And uh, what uh, what spurred? How did you come to this decision? Uh, it's at- something I've kind of always wanted to do. Uh, I kind of switched between three homes when I was a kid um, one of them was in the city in San Diego and then my grandparents lived out in the country and in, in Colorado and then my aunt and uncle lived out in the country and um, just south of Santa Cruz and I've all, I always loved the times that I get to spend out there and then a few years ago uh, the people that I was living with uh, was Jesse Duke who ran Pioneers Press mm-hmm. who is my editor and um, her partner and I were like fuck it we were living in portland and we were mm-hmm. portland was getting really expensive and then all of a sudden it had a tv show and yeah. we were like it's time to, it's time to get out and we didn't <laughs> want to work work some work all day all week just to afford rent and it's you can you can live out where i'm living for very cheap what jobs uh did. what jobs were you uh working in portland that you were uh sick of well, I, I guess back then I wasn't. I was, but that was when I first started being able to make money off of writing. 
Mm-hmm. So I I had I'd moved to Portland to work at for the Portland Mercury, the newspaper there. Mm. I was I was working as the the music editor there, and then um, I started being able to like actually just pay my way with uh, with books mm-hmm. and. But still, you know, we were living pretty lean on that on that money. Yeah, you were, we were living all working for uh, with a bunch of people, or with with a few people. Yeah, yeah. And so we were just like, let's let's go, let's let's just do this. That's the only way to do this is to do this. And if mm. we really want to do it, we have got to stop talking about it. Cause you meet people all the time that are always like, oh, you know, it's uh, someday I'll I'll go out and I'll do this thing or I'll go live in this place or something. But like. Usually they just talk about it, so we were like, we don't want to be those people that just talk about it. Let's let's actually go, go do this, and it was a lot easier than it seemed like it was going to be. Oh really? Uh, but this is not the the first property you've been on, right? This is you've you've had several, or you've tried, right? So yeah, when we first moved, um, Jesse and Thad and I lived uh, on this one property, you know, pretty close to this area. We lived there for for a long time most of the time out here about a decade and then um at that point it was just elizabeth and i my partner and mm-hmm. we got evicted during the pandemic mm-hmm. the house was sold and we had all these animals and all this stuff and you know like lots of books and yeah in on pallets and stuff like that and so you it's really hard to rent rural properties out here because nobody nobody rents them they just sell them or or some or they people yeah. inherit them or somebody sure. dies so we we tried for a really long time during the heat of the pandemic in 2020 to to find a rental property we just couldn't and it was like get rid of all of our stuff and move to somewhere we don't want to go mm-hmm. or or buy and we um so we got a loan yeah i didn't think that was ever going to be possible but you know it's things are cheap out here and we got like in August of 2020. Elizabeth and I moved to this this new chunk of land, which is better and bigger and um, deeper in the country. Mm. And how did you choose that part of the country? Uh, was uh, one of the people you lived with based there, or had contacts? Yeah, exa- yeah, totally. So um, Jesse's dad lived out in um, in Leavenworth in the suburbs, and we mm. had vi- we had visited him before. Um, while well, crossing the country on tour, and I liked it out here. I'd never been to the Midwest, and I was like, "There's fireflies and rivers <laughs> and streams and actual actual weather." Yeah, there's seasons out in the in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I'm never. I, Twelve years on, I'm still pretty like I I love seasons. They're, seasons are great, and so are streams and rivers and you know thunderstorms, mm-hmm. snow, the whole thing. It's, yeah. it's pretty good. I can't imagine living in a place without snow. I mean, snow is like my favorite thing that nature does. I love I love the snow, and obviously, you know, I'm I'm from Russia, so I, you know, they they would like, well, not not that they let me back in at this point, but like yeah, I, <laughs> I couldn't be from there and and dislike the snow. I don't think, uh, but yeah, I can't imagine living in a place without snow. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I. I originally from San Diego and yeah. there isn't really seasons and I, I yeah. love going back I love going back but when I was living there it was kind of weird like time would pass in a strange way kind of like when you're sleep deprived mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, suddenly it's summer and it's like wh- where's where did fall where did spring go where did fall go right 
And uh, is Elizabeth also from the uh, from Southern California? Yeah, she's from San Diego as well. Oh, okay. So you, you you've known each other a long time, then I I gather. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, yeah, I lured her out here. A few <laughs> <years>. <laughs> and how does she feel about that? I I guess I I, I would have to ask her. <laughs> well, um, she likes to visit home a lot, and mm. there's there's a lot she doesn't like about the Midwest. Mm. And there, I mean, there's a lot that I don't like either about the Midwest, but I'll, I'm also happy to be here. <laughs> but the things that I don't like have more to do with like the people. Yeah. Some of the people around here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, less than enlightened uh, folks around is is that is that what you're hinting yeah, at? Yeah, <laughs> um, had some not, some not great. Um, the neighbors around here, well, they're not really neighbors because they're far away, but like they're 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 good. We've lived next to like white supremacists, and mm -hmm. uh, there's sort of just like a, a lot of really angry people out here. Yeah, and they take one look at me, and they just they 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 can just tell something's wrong with me, and I mean I don't even know what's wrong with me, but they know that there's something wrong with me. Well, because because, they they because just, you don't dress like them, me. or you have a unusual haircut or something, or. I don't know. I try to blend in. Tattoos? I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't work. It's just like they can smell it on me. Right. The 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 freakness or the freak or whatever. They they know you're you're not their kind. <laughs> the the bohemian pheromones or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's 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 funny. Uh, I mean, I can often pass, which like I always am surprised by, but uh, <laughs> on on multiple levels, but. Um, yeah, if if yeah, if people get talking to me, they they soon find out you know? <laughs> <laughs> where where I'm coming from, and it's often not where they're coming from. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's it, it's in this area especially. It, it's been a much bigger thing since the 2016 election. Oh yeah. Wasn't yeah. Near, wasn't nearly as bad before that. Uh, it got worse. Well, as you know, continued to get worse. Yeah, the fucking troglodytes crawled out from under their rocks it was safe for them you know yeah because yeah. they had they had a cheerleader in the white house so <laughs> yeah i uh, i feel very i've said this over and over but i feel like one of the few smart decisions i've ever made is quitting social media in 2015 uh, because yeah it saved me from the you know the ramp up to the election and the shit storm that followed yeah, yeah, you missed a lot of, a lot of useless shit. Yeah, yeah, I continue. A lot to. of arguing and and such. Yeah, and a lot. Yeah, I mean, the trouble there often is even uh, less than the the horrible people is that like you get into this echo chamber where you're only talking to the people that you completely agree with, you know. Yeah. Which yeah. is also pointless in another way, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, yeah, I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't really, I'm not that insecure in my opinions. I don't need them echoed or confirmed, you know? I know I know what I think. Yeah, right. uh, I'm, I'm fine uh, being challenged or being argued with. That's that's cool by me. I'm, you know, that interests me. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't need cheerleaders or people to just, like, say, or copycat, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all counterproductive. It doesn't get anything done. No, it's not like you're not you're not engaging in activism by by 
sharing your opinions. No, no, and yeah, sign, yeah, like liking a tweet or retweeting like somebody somebody else's fucking opinion doesn't mean you've done anything, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, <laughs> you're not really going out on a limb, you know. You're you're not, yeah. You're not an activist, or you're not the front on the front lines of anything. Yeah. <laughs> very, very, very safe. It's just like a yeah, it's like a TV show, or a game show, or something. I don't know. I yeah, I mean to me the the bloom was off the rose with the Twitter once I quit driving a cab because I lost the one sort of unique thing that I could contribute, you know, which was sort of like direct, uh, like messages from thing from the front as they happened the front being you know the inside of my cabin in this case you know yeah right 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 but yeah when Dispatches. i didn't yeah when i didn't have the, and it was a good way of note taking for for writing things uh but once once i lost that then i was just another schmo you know reacting to news or whatever uh it was boring you know it became diminishing returns yeah, it seems like from what from what little I know, uh, you're not that into it either. The the social media land. <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird for me because, yeah, I'm not. But um, like I, my only income comes directly from book sales, and it it sucks because as soon as I, if I go like a week without posting about stuff, sales stop. Really? Like bookstores. Like it's it's just, it's like I hate that it's that way that like I have to be like hey. Remember me? Yeah. And then people people buy books again. It's just it's a bad system, and I'm I'm always looking for different ways to get out of it. Um, and I haven't really found a lot of good ways, and I but I it's kind of like I have I I'm at this point I have to do it until I find a better way of doing it. And it was better when I could tour a lot more. Mm -hmm. Hopefully that'll be a, more of a thing this year. Because yes. that's just you know direct with people, and I do well with that. Yeah, it seems to be ramping up. Again, uh, I mean, I've been seeing a lot more uh, shows, a lot more music uh, lately, uh, uh, which I, I enjoy and have missed, obviously. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I keep trying to solve this this puzzle, this uh, the promotional puzzle for for books, especially. Uh, and I've done it. I mean, since I've been publishing my own books entirely without. Twitter, or Facebook, or Instagram, you know, and it's weird. It sort of works, but I don't know. I mean, I, a couple of people have been amazed at whatever little success I've had that that I've had success at it. But it's it's been a real slog. Let me tell you, <laughs> you know, like doing it this way. Right, right, yeah. And I, I just uh, just on a personal or emotional, whatever mental health level, I can't go back to the fucking Twitter. You know, and then in, I find Insta I, Instagram kind of useless uh, because you can't link to anything, you know? Yeah. Well, they've just started a new thing on Instagram where um, in the Instagram stories you can put links. Oh, and that okay. has been like, that's helped immensely. Yeah. Because I, I can't, I, I go on Twitter to, to post about the, um, the record label, but I, I've, I don't look at any of the story or any of the posts because it just makes me feel really, really bad. Yeah. Hearing writers toast about their stuff just just makes it just seems like everybody becomes the worst version of themselves when they're on Twitter. At least on Instagram, it's just like 
photos of their cats and their pie that they made or something, which I'm right. fine with. No, I agree. I, I agree. Uh, it definitely brings out the worst in people. Uh, it also saps, I mean, the ener- whatever. Like, there's people that really give away, you know, material, uh, writing, you know, f- for free uh, to, to these companies. You know what I mean? Which saps their energy yeah, for, for yeah, actually absolutely. publishing something like a book or an article or what have you, whatever their art form is, you know? I've definitely known people that are on there and they're constantly writing and posting things. I'm like, how do you ever, how do you ever actually get work done? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I have a hard, I, I need to like really sit down every single day and work. And I, if I was like posting all that stuff and writing all that stuff, I think I, that would be it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm personally, I'm, I'm so fucking compulsive that if I'm on something like Twitter, I have to go through the whole timeline. Like, I was one of these people that would wake up and scroll through the shit that went on when, when I was asleep, you know? <laughs> this is, this makes me, you know, like, this works for making art or whatever. It's not good for anything else, really, you know? So I know that I need to, it's, I'm, I'm sort of like an absolutist that way. It's got to be either on or off, you know what I mean? (laughs) So, so in my case, it has to be off, but, uh, I mean, I guess the happy medium for me has been this newsletter business, you know, because the newsletter is, I've, I've plundered my newsletter for things in books over and over again, you know? It's sort of like a rough draft a lot of times, you know, for things that I'm working yeah, yeah, on. Yeah, uh, and so, and yeah, I get to spout off with my dumb opinions every week, you know, and people put up with it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's been all right. I don't I know. Kinda, I, yeah, I sort of have the same thing with, I have a column. Mm, for my publisher's yeah. website, one of my publishers, 3-1-G, and I've like every single thing that I put on there is like something that I'm working on for another book. So exactly. And I've, and I've definitely like written something on there and then been like, Oh shit, I can just like what you're saying. I can go and I can take that and it can become like an audio piece or it can become yeah something from, cause I've been, I've been writing about um, the last two years as they've happened, kind of just like mm-hmm. as things are happening in an attempt to sort of sketch like what it was like to be alive during this stupid time. Yeah. And so a lot of that has has come from I'd write it for, I'd write it for the column and then be like you know and I need to that needs to go into the book or maybe I throw them out or maybe I record an audio version of it. Right. Yeah. I I think I mean yeah it all goes in it, it's all one part of one whole as I mean I read in your bio on your site how you you kind of conceive of all the the novels and everything as one big piece that's continuous sort of. And yeah, it's I, one continued storyline all all of it. All of it. So, yeah, actually, yeah, the the one front-to-back book of yours that I've read was the one that you asked me for a blurb for, which is the food one. Uh, and so so is that part also part of the, the whole continuum? It is, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, they're all the same characters, and um, yeah. they all, oh, they all cool. fit into each other, as do the audio stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the audio I found, uh, I mean, like, audio is kind of a little bit of a newer thing for me, but uh, it's it's been a very helpful way to edit and re-edit the writing, you know, to read the stuff out loud. And that's, I mean, that's why I started recording myself reading in the first place, was just to, to hear what the words sound like, you know? Oh, yeah. 
that, that part of it is that's like an essential part of my editing is I read everything aloud over yeah. and over, many 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 times and when something sounds bad it's it's gonna be bad yeah although I mean I will say I know that there are some things that are written to be read aloud and some that are not you know I mean there it's just there are different kinds of writing but uh it does help just uh like in terms of rhythm and what have you to hear what the sentences sound like even if you yeah, absolutely you don't intend to actually you know perform it in front of people or you know yeah, some of the more like lyrical short pieces of stuff that I've recorded, some of it wasn't even written down. It was just, it was like I'd play guitar or piano or something like that and sort of like mull over some lines and then I never wrote it down. I just mm -hmm. had it in my head. I just memorized it. And that kind of came from going on tour a lot where you would just do the same stuff every single night and you you just memorize everything that you're doing. Mm. But and the, so those don't, those don't look good on paper. Yeah, yeah. It's, They're kind of like, it doesn't work. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it works the other way where if you have the things that don't look good on paper, it's like when you know you have these vanity books, you know, from longtime songwriters or what have you that publish a book, you know, of their lyrics, and you see it on the page, and it's like what? <laughs> like I don't, I didn't want to know all those yeah, words, yeah, you know. Like yeah. I, I, I'm I'm sorry, I found out what you're actually saying. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> because it's so inextricably wedded to the sounds of the instruments you know yeah <laughs> i uh like, so my, for the food book after tonight everything will be different uh i that doesn't work really great for for doing because usually when i do when i do readings that's always backed by music so mm. i did i've done some readings with that and there's like it it doesn't work because there's like jokes in it so mm -hmm. you can't do like a, ser a serious piece of music and then it like has a joke yeah. This does it, like it changes the emotion. <laughs> Whereas like the the stuff that I do, audio stuff usually it take it's it keeps to one vibe or one emotion or one thing and it's much shorter. But like some of the novel stuff doesn't work all the time. Yeah, and I mean yeah, that that food book is sort of like a like a I don't know sporadic diary, and it's like these meetings with certain people, you know, connected with certain, and because they're yeah connected around meals, obviously. Yeah, I, I could see how that it might be a problem with like putting a a track underneath it. Like, and then there's a lot of dialogue in that. Um, I, it's like re reading dialogue out loud is not so great for me, at least. Yeah, Some people do it really well. You'll hear audiobooks and they'll like change their, they modulate their voice in a certain way, just mm -hmm. slightly to make so you know what's going on. But I just I get lost a lot of times listening to dialogue from audio stuff because if it doesn't say like and then Jeff said and then yeah. Mary said and then Jeff said I get I'm lost I'm true yeah I mean it depends yeah there's yeah there's so much variety in that like there's a like one of my favorite books is this crazy book called JR by William Gaddis and the whole book practically the whole book is just speech but it's not a play it's just you have to figure out from the rhythms of the speech who's talking it's just kind of an amazing thing. It's like 700 pages, and it's so intense. Uh, what what he made, uh, I don't. You know. <laughs> and I, I reread that sometimes if I want to feel humbled about like my little <laughs> my shit ass efforts in writing. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess if they did an audiobook of that, they'd have to have actors. I have no idea how they'd fucking do it. I mean. <laughs> it's, yeah. It would be really difficult, but it's also one of these famously difficult books. 
That's the book that, uh, what's his face, uh, um, Jonathan Franzen wrote an essay about, like, where he, I think he gave up or something. He gave up on it. It was just too much. It killed him. Oh, I think I've heard of that. I think I've heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, that's, it's so funny because it's just, some, for some whatever reason, I really connected with it. I've read it, like, two and a half times. Uh, I reread it a lot. <laughs> uh, and it's one of... Uh, and other difficult books I just can't I can't penetrate I don't know ones that people like uh, I don't, you know I never fin- never finished uh, Infinite Jest never finished Ulysses never finished Gravity's Rainbow you know all the the, the top ten hits of whatever literary types that no Finnegan's you know. Wake no no well Finnegan's Wake from what I hear is one one even one more level up from Ulysses or ten Whew. ten levels up. Have you done that one? Have you conquered I've, Finnegan? Yeah, I've, I've read I've had I really liked Ulysses. Yeah. Finnegan's Wake is is rough. I, yeah. I I've been trying to read it for the last few years and it's like every once in a while you'll I was reading it once and I was like, Holy shit, I know what he's talking about. There's a chicken in this scene. The chicken is standing on a pile of rocks and it's pecking something and that was like the first concrete image that I mm. was given in the whole fucking thing like yeah. 300 pages in but usually it's just like I mean some of the language is really beautiful but it doesn't yeah. you don't retain it you don't yeah. retain it like it doesn't connect to you yeah I've I've never even tried that but I've, I recently got this amazing new uh, illustrated version of uh, Ulysses that this guy uh, he passed the artist passed away but it was a uh, long time project that he worked on and it's this oversized it's like an art book basically and i started reading it and for whatever reason maybe because it had pictures in it it clicked for me and i started enjoying it maybe i'm finally old enough to understand what the fuck is going on in that book or the just the rhythm of it and i and like you were saying i i always when it, the other times i've attempted to read that book i've enjoyed a sentence here a sentence there same with Gravity's Rainbow, actually, but I just—it just does not click. It doesn't connect for me. Whereas the William Gaddis book, and actually all of Gaddis, which I've, I've read pretty much everything he wrote, uh, does totally connects for me. But especially J.R. Yeah, and J.R. is about a, a ten-year-old who basically becomes like a huge success on Wall Street. It's a—it's a sort of like a parody of. America and capitalism. Okay. It's a it's a pretty it's a pretty hilarious book in its way. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, how did you? Um, what what's what's an early influence for you? What 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 set you off on this this whole journey or problem of writing <laughs> that you've been, <laughs> that you've been afflicted with, and I've also gotten afflicted with later in my life. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I wasn't really like. A very smart kid, or I didn't, I didn't really read that much as a kid. I've always been sort of dumb, but um, I, when I was 18, I was reading this this travel magazine, and for the for the, it was a, about a, a a trip to Portugal to the fishing village in Portugal, and for mm. the first time, I started I started feeling some sense of emotion from from the writing, mm-hmm. and it just it hit me really hard. It was just a, I don't even know the author. I don't the the magazine is long gone but i set out the next day i was i would set out to write my own version of what he had done with about my life at the time which was you know i wasn't doing anything as an 18 year old what were you doing i I mean were you you were 
in high school or gradu- graduated? I just, gra- yeah. just graduated, yeah. And I was I had a girlfriend. I I went to coffee shops. Um, I I lived at the beach with my parents, and I wrote about that. Mm-hmm. And I got I I sent it to the weekly paper in in town, and they published it, and they gave me a bunch of money. I got like five hundred bucks for it. I think That's probably amazing. because I was a, I was a I was young, and they knew it, and they were like. Here's a teenager writing about something. So it's like, you know, sometimes people just like things that kids do even if they aren't good. Yeah. You know? If you're that gave you, that, But that must have been super encouraging. That was like oh, a big, yeah, yeah. big so push, it, right? Just, yeah. And I started, I, I didn't really turn back. And then a couple years after that, I got a job at the, um, the daily newspaper in San Diego had started an online version. Mm. Like an early online version. It was, you know, like when people were first starting to use the internet at the turn of the century. So I, I got a job as an, as a, Oh, they called it a content producer back then. Oh, really? So like for the for the paper in the year two thousand or two thousand one or the year like... two thousand. Yeah, I think it was. I think wow. it was probably ninety nine and two thousand. I can't remember exactly. But yeah. so, I yeah, I worked there and it was fucking weird. It was a really weird experience. I had, that's actually the book that I'm writing right now is is all about that. Oh, really? Almost, Your early days of the internet and for just you? that job. Yeah, yeah, working for the news online newspaper. And then it, after that, I just um, I just kind of bounced from newspaper to newspaper for a while. Yeah. And then my, my goal I never wanted to be a journalist because I wasn't a very good journalist. I wasn't. Yeah. I was I didn't have the ideals or the skills or anything. But what I wanted to what I wanted to do is I figured that I, if I was writing for a living, I could I could learn how to write fiction that way and just learn you know learn how to write. Yeah. And my plan originally was from the beginning it was like as soon as somebody offers to publish a book of mine, mm. and if I feel like I can do it and if I'm ready for it I'm going to quit journalism in fl- cold and flat so that happened I was working for the Portland Mercury at that time and I, a, a small press offered to publish a novel by me and I was like I gotta do it and so I quit mm. and wow. that's what it's been ever since yeah I had a I had sort of a, a charmed uh charmed uh, path to publication for my first book I mean I was asked you know and it was a university it was the University of Chicago Press which is a big deal and it's been a friggin I've been paying for that luck ever since you know every, every other all the other books have been a slog one way or the other or just pulling teeth just you know what I mean uh, yeah, it, it, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's amazing to be asked to to be approached. I I just like uh, I spend so much time, you know, kind of spitting into the wind, you know, that like to have somebody, yeah, reciprocate. That's that's kind of a, it's kind of a, it's it's like a minor miracle at this point. I feel like you know? I kind of feel like that's how it was for me. It was just for when I was when I was starting at like eighteen and on for a long time. It just felt like anything things were just happening really easily and mm-hmm. maybe like I didn't deserve them. Yeah. Um, but you didn't know any what, better anyway. For whatever yeah. reason they were happening, I was just, yeah. and I just took every single opportunity that came. Right. And I, yeah, I feel, I feel charmed in a lot of ways too. Cause I know a lot of people that are way better writers than we, than me, way smarter than me that have had no luck whatsoever. And their books are better than mine and they mm. can't get them published. They, they have no audience. They have no readers. They've never yeah. been on tour. They've never done all the, the cool ass shit that you get to do when things are working. Yeah. I don't know how it works. It's just some, sometimes things work for people and something's just on or off, I guess. 
it's it's bizarre. I don't, the, I don't have the answer to that. No, nobody does, uh, and even like these the the big whatever publishers don't because they keep. I mean, they shoot themselves in the foot all the time, and I see these things. I mean, the only time, you know, they have anything to do with me is when I've reviewed one of their books, you know, and then suddenly they want to send me these other books that I don't want to read, you know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, yeah, they they make bizarre bizarre choices. Uh, <laughs> Which signals to me that they're they don't know what the fuck they're doing, even though they have, you know, absurd money to fly uh, to throw around, and they do they throw it in very strange directions. <laughs> I heard some a figure a while back. I'm not sure like, exactly on the the, the the true numbers on this or where it came from, but there was something about how like ninety percent of books published will never sell more than five hundred or a thousand copies or something like that. I believe that. I can and, believe and I've, that. I've known people that have been on like big publishing houses that their book comes out and nobody buys their. I mean, you know, there's it's a publishing house is big enough somebody's going to buy it, but like <laughs> they're not making money. They're not selling books. Well, also, I mean, I learned this. I learned this during the process with my first book, is that you know I learned about bookstores and how they have this thing where they can just do backsees. You know, like they can just return books. Which is just the most bizarre thing in the world to me. Like, what kind of fucking capitalism is that? You know, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh no, oh I'm sorry, no, I changed my mind. So yeah, because I would get these statements, and like, there's a, always certain percentage was returns. You know, it's like what? <laughs> like no. Yeah, I mean, I do a lot of. <laughs> I have like a distributor for my books. Yeah. Like, they go through AK Press and Ingram, so they do a lot of the book trade stuff. But I also have like a, a list of bookstores that I sell to yeah. every month. Yeah. And I, my policy is no returns. Yeah. And that probably limits the amount of bookstores that I can sell to, but yeah. I sort of don't care. Yeah. I, I, I sell directly to bookstores. Not, not very many because it's just me. And, uh, you know, I've had some bad experiences with some of them. Uh, but also, yeah, because I'm not an Ingram, I basically don't exist for both most uh, bookstores and they won't take a chance you know and uh i've gotten oh into, yeah yeah i've gotten into even look at you i won't I, i've gotten into very very testy exchanges with people uh that run what they think of as an independent bookstore whereas what they're running is an ingram kiosk you know that's yeah, what yeah absolutely absolutely so many a, of those bookstores it's a fucking you know you know that search box in, on all those so-called independent bookstores that's just ingram and so is bookshop.org yeah. Bookshop.org is Ingram, you know, like yeah, Bookshop is horseshit. Yeah, yeah, people, people like we're all excited about bookshops. Like, fuck, you may as well fucking go back to Amazon, you know. Like, come on, yeah. <laughs> come on now. Uh, and people don't like hearing that. Uh, yeah, people, people don't want to talk about Ingram because Ingram is the only game in town. You know, <laughs> there it's a complete, yeah, yeah. it's a almost virtually complete monopoly. Uh, yeah. There's SBD, but uh, SBD is tiny, you know? Yeah. SBD won't take me because I only publish my own books so far, and they have a policy against that. So I'm kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't, you know? Right, right. And I found out about Bookshop when they were launching because I tried to open a storefront, and uh, once they found out that I, you know, I'm not distributed by Ingram, they didn't want me either, you know? Yeah. It's it's a bizarre yeah. world. Uh, it's like being like you know like just banging on the door like you know Kafka's castle. You know you just keep banging on the door. <laughs> and they won't let you it's, in. It was weird for me because like I my stuff 
I, I know that it's available through Ingram, but it's through it's through AK Press because they go they go through Ingram. Mm-hmm. And, but I have never like had any interaction with. I've never been to their website. I don't really. I haven't really let myself learn how it works, and I don't really want to know because I get yeah. checks from AK Press. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of that is them selling directly. Yeah, They're, them selling to bookstores, them selling at events, them getting. I know that the the cut that Ingram gives is is pathetic. It's yeah, like it's pretty. It's pretty silly. Yeah, it's it's definitely death by a thousand cuts. And I actually, for a short time, attempted to sell directly through Amazon and found out how how it is that they kill small presses and small bookstores. You know, because they oh. nickel they nickel and dime you to death. Like they put my books on like their like nine quote unquote marketplaces all around the world, and each one char- charges a monthly fee. If, even if you don't sell anything and then they take you know I mean it's one thing after another it's crazy yeah they're just like is there a is there like a flying sauce no right no what it is is uh, a crazy noise yeah it is uh, what it's um, l- let me see if I can move away from it um, there's construction but uh, there's been construction above my house for the last year it sounds like a saw. It's like it a is. saw. It right? is. Yeah. Yeah, they're sawing, wow. yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, I can't <laughs> go completely away. Maybe uh, but I can go into my bedroom, which is down the hall and see if it's any It'll be it'll be intermittent and sporadic. Uh yeah, nothing I can do about that. Maybe I'll be able to do something in uh in I'll fix it in post as the, as they say, <laughs> you know. Oh, it's I, it, I already don't hear it. So that's well, funny. he just stopped, <laughs> but <laughs> but he'll start again. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's this epic. Uh, basically, I live in a little house and I'm on the ground floor. Uh, it's a house from 1875, and the owners have been doing a gut rehab, or they they've hired contractors, so they're, they're building a brand new house on top of my head, and they have been since August. Jeez, it's 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 been interesting. <laughs> It's been a unique experience. I'm so I'm so used to it. I don't even notice it anymore. This, you know, like when they start banging or sawing. <laughs> there was a really cool sound, like maybe 20 minutes ago. It sounded like you were listening to like, um, like drones. Oh yeah. And I was like, wow, maybe maybe one maybe one of Dimitri's uh, one of Dimitri's neighbors is listening to drone music, and it was just kind of like, yeah. Now that makes. Yeah, that it makes it, so much more sense. Yep, yep, yeah. I live. I live. They're in like it. polishing the floors or something. Yeah, yeah. They're actually. I think it's not quite the home stretch, but it's getting there. Uh, they were like they had to stop because of like they were waiting for some city inspection or something, and I had quiet for a week or so. But uh, I think they're they're finally getting close. <laughs> Jeez. But yeah, for a time, I mean, it was amazing. Like there was no roof on the house. There was just not like nothing, nothing but like a couple of brick walls just sky <laughs> and yeah and you can't go and stay in a hotel for three years no uh i mean i had to leave um uh, i left for a couple of weeks because they had to break through my kitchen to install the plumbing for upstairs you know uh so and then they they covered everything with dust and that, that was kind of a nightmare <laughs> but when i came back you know uh but other than that uh aside from the noise it's been okay you know <laughs> So, but you know, when they move back, it's going to be two adults and a little girl, like a five-year-old girl and a dog running up and down. So it's a different set of sounds above on, on top <laughs> of my head. So, you know, pick your poison. 
it's still I, this is this may be the my favorite place I've ever lived, and I kind of my uh, running joke is I'm just gonna dig a hole out back in the backyard, and when it's time, they can just throw me in, you know, when my time comes. <laughs> yeah. And I'm I'm not leaving if we I can help. fertilizer. Hello. Um, I'm still here. I okay. Some somebody just broke in. Yeah, yeah. There was there was some I hear other a little tiny baby voice somewhere. Like oh. it sounds like a helicopter voice, a guy in a helicopter or something. That I, that that's outside of here, but yeah, I think that's probably. Or a cop? Is it a cop? There there was there's something passing overhead here. Uh, wow. No, but just for a second, something broke in on your side, like a voice, like some somebody else's voice. But they're gone now. Huh. Yeah, yeah. it's uh yeah. There's gr gremlins all over the place. Uh, <laughs> but I am confident we will get some sort of recording out of this. Uh, I can't vouch for the quality of my my half of the conversation, but there will be a recording of this. I swear. <laughs> so, have you have you messed around with podcasts or any this this type of recording before, or like do you have any interest in it? I've I've been on this end of it, but I've never been on. Um, um, oh, you know what? Actually, no, that's not true. When I worked for the Portland Mercury, all the editors had to run a podcast. It was like part of the job. It like. It was uh, just part of the job description. So I did have a podcast. I was really bad at it and had a really bad voice for, mm. for radio. And I don't know if anybody listened to it. I think it was probably just terrible. But I did it. It was <laughs> yeah. through, um, like, we had GarageBand or something on all of our computers. And we did yeah. it like that. Yeah, that's what I, I mean. I'm. That's the level of uh, editing expertise I have is I'm still using GarageBand. You know, and I imagine if I keep doing this for real, I'm going to have to spring for something better you know than, yeah, gar yeah. than garage band but uh for now it works okay but and i've i've actually banked i've yeah I have four or five interviews in the can and i'm i'm hoping to start just releasing them once a week rather than just sporadically you know cool cool yeah yeah that's my plan i'm yeah i'm even i'm even like investigating like this whole like live reading ads thing you know there's a company connected to the new host of this podcast that offers i'm gonna look into it so perhaps i'll one of these you'll hear like me like doing a cheesy promotion for something we'll see <laughs> wow okay it's a it's a, it's a new, new weird world you know <laughs> but yeah, whatever uh, works i guess i mean yeah uh it's you know life will humble you i mean my approach uh, when i was young and knew everything was that I was just going to have shit day jobs and just do my art, you know what I mean? And never connect, like just separate them completely. But you get old and worn down and I, I, I compare everything to driving a cab and I'd rather do pet portraits or like uh, ask people to pay for my newsletter than driving a cab. You know, I'd rather do sure, yeah. illustrations for shit I don't care about than driving a cab. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm 51 years old. I'm no fucking spring chicken, you know, you can only have those kinds of like uh, hardcore ideals for so long. <laughs> well, you got good stories out of the, the time with the cab. Well, uh, I mean, the, the cab, uh, I, I have to, I credit the cab with like making me or turning me into a writer. You know, I would have never written anything. I hadn't written any, anything aside from a homework assignment in my adult life, you know, <laughs> uh, until the cab because people just started unloading their stories and doing crazy shit in front of me, you know, and I couldn't just draw them. And, and, and now I'm, so, very, um, yeah, go ahead. 
when did uh when did so my favorite book of yours is Soviet Stamps? Did, when did that come? Did that come after the cab books? Yes. Uh, oh, th- thank you. Uh, it's funny that that book is maybe the least successful, like financially so far. Really? But but uh, there are p- the people that connect with that book really connect with it. It's ba- yeah. It it's you and Linda Berry. You know who Linda Berry is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's yeah. She's been super supportive, and she likes that book a lot. <laughs> Uh, that was it was kind of a painful book to write and it found like it was one of the ones that was sort of in the drawer for a few years I wrote it I basically finished the first version of it very like within a year of the second cab book coming out you know and I wanted it to be I wanted it to be the next book but nobody wanted to publish it uh, until I and then I published it myself eventually you know I think people also, I, I, I can understand why people would do that. Uh, I think people want, like right now at least, I think people want books that are like, this is a book about cabs. This is a book about food. Like I, mm-hmm. like the book yeah. that I'm the most proud of is like my least selling book too. Which it's is just about life. Which, which one? It's called uh, Float Me Away Floodwaters and it's just about living rural and mm-hmm. uh, there's, there's, there's no real theme other than it's, you know, it's, you know, fictionalized memoir basically which was all my yeah. stuff is but like then when the food book came out people were like this is a book about food and it's been like it's been like way more successful than anything i've ever done oh really i think people want themes they want theme shit which is cool i, I get it like I, I i was reading um maggie nelson's book about the color blue mm. and i was like maybe i should write a book about food like this where it's you know it's like it's just what oh it's that, about. that that that's easier than it's That's called Bluets, I think. Yeah, I've heard of it. It's, I haven't. I haven't. It's really good. It. Yeah. Yeah, I wish yeah, I, I. think people want theme shit. Yeah, I wish I had more sense that way, but I really don't. I'm such a, a poor, uh, I don't know, marketeer or what have you, or like I've have, I've have no sense of that. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I had the this this whole cab thing, and that was a hook for people. But, uh, I mean, it's still sort of what I'm best known for, I guess, is that cap is like the first cab book because the first cab book got some press. It's yeah, the only people like one, a hook. It's the only one that did. And I was one of the, like, you know, it's from a time when people were getting book deals off of blogs, you know? Uh, I mean, I was one of those. Uh, and it came out in 20, yeah, it came out in 2011. So yeah. Now. yeah, for sure. It used to be so much easier to like handle the press side of it where like people were writing book reviews more often and now like i don't even know what no nobody does i mean it doesn't make any sense to me i i sort of like i i'll publish an occasional review in the chicago reader who i write for most regularly but uh it's it's sort of pulling teeth it's i mean they usually like things pegged to something local so it's not if it's not chicago connected it's a tough sell you know and then nobody else uh pays me so I'll park like I'll park a book review on at Volume One Brooklyn, you know, but that's that doesn't pay, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've yeah, I think I think I might start just posting like book reviews that I feel like writing on uh, like ne- the Neutral Spaces blog, uh, which where you can just post anything if you're part of it. Do you know that site? It's a pretty cool site. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, they've got they've got some kind of special issue coming out. 
that I wrote a story for. Oh, nice. Oh, he's, a he's, weeks do, ago. he's doing another magazine of some kind? Yeah. Oh, nice. Giacomo. Yeah. I, I really like that guy a lot. I've met him before. I met him on tour. Oh, you did? A couple, yeah, He's because he lives out in England. And I used yeah. To, before the pandemic, I used to tour in England all the time. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. He's a good guy. He's very tall. Oh, is he? I couldn't tell. I, you know, I've I've never met him in person or spoken to him. My only interactions with him have been through neutral spaces, you know, and yeah. Uh, but yeah, I really like. I mean, I like the look of the the sites that he makes, you know, and uh, I'm interested. That whole younger, young, I mean, young to me generation of people, they they seem to get it in a, a way that I don't know people my age don't about the the literary environment you know yeah yeah i mean that's why i'm you know like i made friends with mallory and you know i mean mallory's 20 years younger than me you know uh we have we have, we have fun i mean mostly talking about horror movies but other stuff too <laughs> yeah i feel pretty good about like most people younger people right now and their like taste in literature it's, it seems like it seems like everybody gets it right now and they, yeah. like people are actually reading poetry which blows my mind that's cool yeah i need to get more I'm, i've been like in, kind of like taking baby steps into uh, contemporary poetry i mean like you know uh yeah my my biggest connection to poetry is russian poetry uh my dad's a big fan and he sent me a lot of it and uh it's a way for me to sort of like brush up on on my Russian but that's very different it's it's more traditional it's metered you know it's rhymed uh, which you know most contemporary uh, poetry in English is not obviously yes yes yes. so it's a very different thing like you you need to it it's sort of each one sort of teaches you how to read it as you read you know as you go you have to figure that out it it took me a long time to get into that type of stuff I I did in the last couple years uh, I I think I read Canterbury Tales a couple years ago, and mm. it took me a while. And then all of a sudden, like once, yeah, it teaches you how to read it. And then like I was in for the whole thing, and now I'm reading stuff that I would have never liked before, like Byron and. Um, oh, okay. I I was talking yeah. about like the, it's teaching you to to read it to the contemporary stuff, you know, like because that uh, it used to just puzzle puzzle me completely, you know, to see a bunch of words like sort of in different places on a page, you know. It seemed, oh, right, right. It, it seemed random, but it's not random. I mean, when when it's good, it's not random. When it's bad, it's random. But when it's bad, it's just word salad, you know? It's gibberish. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's, there's certainly plenty of that, but there's a lot of that in prose as well. <laughs> I can't deal with abstract shit at all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not smart, I'm not smart enough for, for abstract shit and too much sur- surrealism. I like things that, that are, are very plain spoken and talk yeah. to you directly. Right. Um, just don't have time for that shit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's probably why you and I have connected, at least, to like on an aesthetic level, like where you know you've accepted some of like my piece, the, the audio pieces, because yeah, I, I I work pretty hard to keep keep the words simple and direct. You know, I don't. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Or if you don't. Yeah, well, I don't. I don't the go. Thing to, is to communicate. Yeah, and that yeah that that's what it's all about. I mean. All, all art should be I mean if you're just uh, if you're doing it actually for yourself I, I don't know why you're sharing it you know like it should stay in a in a journal or something you know yeah so I guess yeah we were talking about poetry and stuff uh, but 
uh, yeah, the you know, in the in the plain spokenness, yeah, and that that seems to be a, a sort of a like a guiding principle with you, right, with all your stuff in a certain way. I think I think for me, it just came from years of doing journalism and having editors be like, "You're not, you know, if you're not connecting to the reader, you're you're doing a bad job." And like, I had this one editor that that was like, he was like, "Anything you want to say." no matter how intelligent or dense or difficult or multi-layered can be said clearly if you if you if you do your job well and if you're not if, if it's not connecting and if you're not communicating then you're not doing your job well and you you can do it better no that's great that's that's super valuable and yeah i mean to my way of thinking yeah it really should be the goal of any kind of art is to connect otherwise it's some some kind of like uh either therapy or some, some sort of personal project that really shouldn't be shared with anybody. You know, I mean, I've definitely, I've read some things that are embarrassing in the wrong way, you know, not in a good way. <laughs> like, I don't know why they're, they feel the need to share. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's, a, I mean, it's a rare uh, writer or artist. They can pull that off, you know, and make it compelling. Uh, like, Spill, spill their guts to such an extent that it's like you feel bad for them, you know. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. And and it can be man, manipulative where they're trying to elicit some sort of like emotional reaction from you, you know, that isn't earned really, or that you don't have a level of intimacy with them that warrants that, you know. It's not like you're their boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, main squeeze, confidant. I, I'm just reading your yeah, fucking yeah. book, you know, like please back up <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> uh yeah it, it it's interesting it's interesting i yeah not not that i have any you know overall answers for this or a blanket policy but i have found sometimes uh every now and then it'll be a little much yeah <laughs> i mean i i do it too sometimes accidentally yeah um pitching above my or punching above my weight a little bit and then my editor will be like uh, you need to dial back a little bit. That's not mm. working. So you have touch you, back down on the earth again. <laughs> you have you have the one long time editor that or like a, a trusted reader that you go to all the time. Yeah, yeah, Jesse. Yeah, Jesse Duke. Um, she's um, she's edited everything that I've done for for all my all my books. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so that and that's over like what kind of period of time? Like what, fifteen years? Ten? Twenty? I don't know. Well, so my first book came out in two thousand eight. So, okay. yeah, but, so but before that, years, I was, yeah. I was, she was helping me out with with early attempts at fiction and and journalism stuff. So, that's Probably, great. You know, a, a little bit closer to the two to the two decade mark. Yeah. Yeah, I had a yeah, I had one one guy for the first cup few books, and then another one for the last couple. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's good. Uh, I mean, yeah, I didn't. I was never formally a journalist, although I've done a fair amount of it by now. But uh, uh, I didn't, and I didn't go to writing school of any kind. So, like the whole concept of being edited came came into my life much much later. You know, I mean, I was not edited by anybody at all until uh, the process of publishing my first book. You know. That was that was. I, my... I mean, I, I really, I really like it. You I do? like having somebody tell me when I'm doing the wrong thing. <laughs> you know, 
if it yeah. comes from a place of yeah. love, I have yeah. pretty thick skin, so I'm not going to, like, get uh, hurt about it. Yeah. If it's to the goal of making the thing better, then I'm just yeah. like, fuck yeah, let's, let's tear this shit apart. Yeah. No, it's been real interesting. There's only one editor at uh, at a publication. It was more for journalism. Like it was a film editor that I couldn't absolutely couldn't deal with. Well, because he was turning uh, my writing into his writing, you know, like yeah, to, yeah. to the point where like, well, why are you even having me do this? If you're going to write this as your own, like maybe you should see the fucking movie and review it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I've taken on like uh, freelance editing jobs for mm. people's manuscripts and I, and I can't do it because that's exactly what I do. Oh, you and turn it into yours. Be, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I catch myself doing that and, and it's, it's wrong. It's like, yeah, for sure. It's a disservice to them and to, to me. And that's why I, I'm not, I don't have that magical skill. Not everybody does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've edited some, it's funny. Uh, I've actually edited, uh, I have a friend who is a dancer. She runs a dance company and she occasionally needs, like I help her with her grant applications, like, because she, she's, she's not a strong writer and, uh, and then other pieces that she needs edited, uh, I do. So occasionally I get asked to do that, and I can do it. Uh, I don't know if I'd want to do it really full-on professionally, you know. Like I've never edited a whole book that wasn't written by me, you know. But, uh, in you know, in fits and starts and bits and pieces, I can do it, I think. Uh, I mean, I... I for me personally, it helps to put away stuff I've been working on for a while, and then I can see it with fresh eyes. I can see it as if, not quite as if somebody else wrote it, but I have distance. I'm, I'm not emotionally invested, you know. That helps. Okay, sure. I find to just put it away for a while. Like I just this morning opened up this new book that I'm kind of finishing up, and I hadn't looked at it in like a few weeks because I'm waiting for the guy for my, my guy to look through it and he hasn't gotten a chance to, you know what I mean? Uh, oh yeah. I, I definitely know what you mean. I, there's, there's a point when you just stop seeing it. Yeah. You I'm work on use the same manuscript every day and then and yeah. I'll just get to a point where it's like, I'm not seeing it. I'm not hearing it. I'm not, yeah. I don't feel it anymore and it's just dead to me. And then I have to be, I have to peace out and work on something else. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's valuable to have a bunch of different things going so you can change gears and refresh, you know, and be engaged in something else and totally forget about the one thing. Uh, that's, that's, that's really helpful. I, I find. Yeah, absolutely. So how has, uh, so yeah, as I think I mentioned early earlier, or yeah, we sort of connected from your audio label. How, how's, mm. how's that been lately? How's, so it's it's been about a, I think it's so it's we've been doing it since about almost a year well a little bit over a year a couple yeah. of months over a year and it's been it's going really well uh, some of the records don't sell yeah very well but it's sort of like some of my favorite ones don't sell very well and it's just like right. I don't really care <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna put something out even if I know no one's ever gonna buy it. Yeah. But they all eventually, they all eventually will pay off. Yeah. Sometimes it takes like the full year for them to yeah. meet their expenses, and then some just like some some meet their expenses and pay off within like two days. Like the Sam Pink tape did really well. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Well, um, you know, Sam, Sam Pink's has got an audience. Uh, yeah, he's got he's got a good audience, and I don't know. I, I 
it, I really enjoy it. That's one of the main things because yeah, I before I started publishing books, I was I was doing um, I was touring audio stuff. I was I was doing like re- very regular tours of, mm-hmm. of doing readings backed by me playing music or playing music backed by a band. But I didn't really I, I toured with bands all the time, so there wasn't like I didn't have a community of people that were doing the same sort of thing as me. And it's still a little yeah. like isolating. And so finally last year I was like, I want to make, I want to get people together that are doing this sort of thing and like doing it. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of them can become friends with each other and which has happened. And it was my favorite part of it when I've seen like a couple of the artists that yeah. I release stuff by that like now talk to each other all the time or know each other in real life. Yeah. Um, because weirdly enough, most of the people that I've released stuff from have been in Colorado, I guess. Oh really? Colorado is kind of a cool yeah. place right now, but like, uh. yeah. So it's it's I kind of wanted to create some kind of little community of people that did that, just so it wouldn't feel. Um, Do you mean like those uh, the 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 Trident Press people or, or no? The in Colorado is that, that's yeah. Tri- so yeah. so Nate well Nate yeah. just moved to Mexico City. Oh really? He's, oh, okay. he's from he lives in Denver and Bart, yeah. uh, Nicole Morning and also in Denver. Oh okay. Uh, so the people that are on the comps are all out there. Boulder and Denver. Oh interesting. I guess a lot of people just live there. It's a cool place to live. I don't know, but they know each other. They're friends now, and it's. I like seeing people become friends. It's nice, especially <laughs> you know after the last couple of years. Yeah, see people talk to each other for sure. Yeah, I mean, I can. I've you know I'd heard of Sam Pink for a million years, but uh, I finally connected with him. You know, personally, be, well because of the the thing he wrote for Neutral Spaces. The, the the big essay that he wrote about uh, uh, another quote unquote writer who whose name I'm not going to say and <laughs> who yeah. did it did a shitty thing and is as mentioned before got you know a bunch of one of these publishers threw a bunch of money at for no fucking reason <laughs> so much money so much money so much money it's so oh misdirected uh, and it, well that's it's an amazing to watch the gears and the machine work because there are reviews of that book in lots and lots of major publications which only happens if you throw money at people you know that's where you know oh, yeah. Yeah. that this is what money does it's got nothing to do with merit doesn't have anything to do with talent and anything it's just you know it's people you know pre- pushing the put, putting their fucking thumb and maybe like putting their ass on the scale like you know what i mean <laughs> it's it's such fucking horse shit and and people are afraid to talk about it they won't even talk about it you know because they yeah. think they think they're people are afraid of pissing off people with money right they, they think they're due for the next fucking payday so they gotta uh toe the line they gotta behave but i, I don't fucking care <laughs> you know i just don't care uh i i have the i have the privilege of getting uh you know into the literary racket later in life you know <laughs> Uh, so I'm, I'm not wowed or like dazzled by any of it at all. You know, I've had lots and lots of different jobs and they just don't, these people don't fucking impress me, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I, yeah, not cool. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I've kind of figured out what, how to make a living and how to find an audience and I'm going to stick with like how I'm doing it. And I don't feel I, I mean, I don't think a major publisher would ever come after me anyway, but like, it's that's not a world that I want to be in. It's, it doesn't sound very satisfying. And most people that I know that have been on big presses d- never get royalties. Yeah. There's so many people involved in their books. 
Yeah. Well, so yeah. Many millions of middlemen. Yeah, I mean, I think the game there, as far as I understand it, to the small extent that I do, is the game is the reason you have to have an agent is they try to get as much money up front for you as they can, and for themselves, obviously too, because they get a cut. But you don't even think or care about royalties. You get as as big a chunk up front as you can, and then forget about it. You know what I mean? That's a very different approach than what, say, you're you and I are doing. You know? Yeah, it's not a very sustainable way to have a career. No, because you're it's a, like a binge and bust. Like so, you get this giant chunk of money, which you probably get taxed a lot on it, or, and that you blow on because it's hard not to blow money when you have so much, you know. And then you're broke again. Because, you know, I mean, well, you know, people, you spend as much as you, you make, you know what I mean? Like people just yeah, do that. Yeah. There's very few people that are so disciplined that they put it away, you know? And yeah, that's hard to it's, do. I don't have that kind a, of discipline. A, that is a very weird thing too, that I've noticed like, because I've made more money in the last few years than I have before, but mm. I've noticed that like my expenses change. You make more money and you're... You make more money, but then you're buying more stuff, and you yes your 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 quote unquote quality of life goes up. Yeah, and I don't think I could I don't think I could go back to living how I lived ten years ago because I was living pretty bare. Yeah, like, I mean I physically I could do that and save all my money, but like it's just, you're, you just change with your earning, I guess. It's so weird. Yeah, I mean we're 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 such adaptable creatures, you know, and it's just like what, what they say about water seeking its own level, you know. You just adjust to that, like just how people adjusted to being locked down for two years. They just did. I mean, some people yeah. didn't, but the vast majority of us did, you know, and that's just that was life until it changed again. You know what I mean? And yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know how I don't know that I could handle if I got, say, you know, two hundred forty thousand dollars, say, <laughs> just 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 to throw out a random number from nowhere in particular. Like, what would happen? I don't know. Uh, I mean, I don't... I mean, I'm I'm old enough now that I I kind of have my tastes and the things like... I spend money on records and books and going to movies and not much else. Like, I don't really want anything else. You know what I mean? I don't need anything else. Uh, I'm a lifelong renter. I don't... I'm trying... Like, I don't know that I ever want to own property because... I don't know. I've... Yeah. So yeah, I don't may, maybe I'd be able to to just live on it. I don't know and like hustle less, but I I don't know. I I I'd, I'd welcome the challenge at this point. I'll say that. You know what I mean? The challenge of yeah. not wasting a quarter of a million dollars. You know? <laughs> I guess it's like it's like money and money and success are sort of like sort of like like death and grief where it's like you don't really know how it's going to hit you yeah. or how you're going to react to it when it does hit you. You can't really anticipate it. Yeah, uh, I I will say yeah. I mean, it's, it's another one of these cliches. Like, if you put in the time and the work, you you will be rewarded at some point. Uh, I mean, while we were waiting to fix our technical difficulties, I got an email from some magazine that just wants to reproduce some art that I did for something that was already published, and they're apparently gonna pay me like way, way more than I could have ever expected, more than people pay for original art from me, you know? And all, yeah. all I'm going to have to do is hit send on a fucking two or three high-res JPEGs, you know? 
And that, that nice. just, that is mind blowing to me. And that's, <laughs> that's been starting to happen. It's weird. Like I quit. So I was bartending on like for the last, like after I quit driving a cab, I, I started bartending very, very part time, but I quit last Halloween. And as soon as I quit, like all these, like people just started throwing money at me, you know, just like cold calling, like asking for stuff for commissions, this, that, the other, another, another lady's using a, an old, like a 15 year old painting of mine for a book cover where I also don't have to do anything, you know? I mean, I offered to design the cover for her book and she didn't, she just wants to use the painting, you know? Wow. So that's nice. <laughs> yeah, but you yeah, can't, but, but you can't yeah. game that out. You can't like, you can't be sitting around waiting for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. if, yeah, if you, it's like the, yeah, the watch pot never boils kind of deal. Although I guess that's not really true. If you watch it long enough, it would, but <laughs> you know, yeah, you're not going to stop it from boiling by yeah. watching it. Yeah. I, I used to love, uh, you know, the, the trick of waiting at a bus stop and you light a cigarette and then the bus comes, you know, but, <laughs> but you can't do that intentionally. You just have to want to have a cigarette. You, you're, yeah. you're, you're holding out, holding out. And then you just can't wait any longer. You light the cigarette and the bus appears, you know, <laughs> I leave my shoes outside on the porch, hoping for rain. And oh wow, I'm pretty superstitious. And huh. and like, then my shoes are wet in the morning, and it happens. And I don't believe it's happening in any kind of magical way, but it's just yeah. like the superstitious part of me is like, that's just like the cigarette at the bus stop type thing. Yeah, that's it's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know that I actually believe in any sort of magic or any you know whatever metaphysical forces i don't know that i do uh but there there are i'm very comfortable like um with the mystery of things you know things that i can't understand and will never understand you know i mean like, oh, yeah i mean like, how, yeah how smart are we we're not that smart you know? no i mean i'm um, chief among them obviously is death you know like we don't know what that is yeah like yeah i'll find out when i get there you know but I, like people that sit around and fixate or speculate about it like what the fuck is the point it's the only thing we can depend on, really. But so, so why bother? Like, you have plenty of time to explore that when you're there, I guess. You know, wherever there is, yeah. or if there is a there. But yeah. I mean, you really don't even have to do your taxes, but you're gonna die. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one half of that. I mean, yeah. And lately, actually, come to think of it, yeah, the IRS is so besieged and like overworked and underpaid that they're kind of like barely functioning. I think. So death, death, death will is a constant. Taxes are kind of wobbly at this point. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did my taxes last night, so it's yeah. fresh in my mind. Yeah, yeah. It's what a bizarre thing that is to do as a self-employed person, it, and it's it's such a charade. You know, like it's so it's so much make believe. In my experience, like, well, you know, I <laughs> I'm going to declare this and declare that, and they're all kind of approximate. Except for, you know, I get some, some like, <laughs> I get some like W-9 forms and other, other kind of like actual formal forms. The rest is just like sort of my choice <laughs> up to a point. Yeah. And I we mean, I probably should, shouldn't say that out loud, but it's true. Well, look, no, I'm using, you know, I, I'm paying for like the Intuit TurboTax, you know, to, to do the itemized thing. This is what I've been doing the last few years. So it's, it's as legit as I know how to make it. I'm not trying to trick anybody exactly. And it's 
such small amounts that like, you know, like I'm, I'm a fucking flea, you know, <laughs> if they actually go after me, like how much could they actually get, you know? And for my cab driving days, I mean, I started driving a cab when I was 23 and I was around all these old people that are like taught me like to, they were completely invisible. Like they didn't file taxes. They did everything cash. So I lived like that for like 10 years. I was invisible, you know? But then I got to a point of realizing that I'm probably just cheating myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Doing it that way. So since then, I've been attempting to, to play by the rules, whatever the fuck they are. But it's just absurd. It's like it's a thing that just exists to to keep an industry going. You know what I mean? I don't think it's actually necessary the way they have it set up. No, not at all. It's it's weird that we're still doing that. Not all countries do that. I kind of I I sort of like the like the fact like if you're a writer, you can write off. Ev- I can write. I I write off everything because I can justify it. Yeah. Whether that's going to the movies or buying a book or, you know, it's all it all. It's just if you're writing about your life, then yeah. I I, I have a tax accountant that I use and I've, that I've always used. And I oh, you do. Oh, you you have an accountant. Massive document. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've never... She, she sorts through it. Actually, no, I take it back. A cu- like for two years at a certain point, before I started just doing the old TurboTax, I had I made uh, a friend of mine refer me to this lady whose name was Peaches. And <laughs> she's like an older black lady, like living in a basement uh, with like all her extended relations were there. And you'd go there and bring her all your receipts. And you'd hang out. And she would like file file your form for you it was kind of cool but she she passed away so there's there is no peaches too in my life it's just old turbo tax until i get that big advance like like the unnamed writer and I, i'll have to probably hire an accountant then you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. to to hire like you know like i've never like i've never had a stocks or bonds or like investments or anything i, I don't do any i don't fuck with any of that shit i don't know that's not a world I understand or know anything about. Do you? No, God, no. <laughs> that stuff scares me. Yeah, it seems unreal. It's I horrifying. I, yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, it's. We it's, probably should be doing that stuff because it works for people, but I, I, I will never. Well, people do total make believe shit, like all this crypto and NFTs and all this yeah. stuff. It's like pie in the sky. The funniest thing I read about NFTs lately is that these like young tech bro investors have recently discovered actual the actual art world in that they <laughs> like they they could that they could park their like uh their millions into you know you you know it's a really great nft a painting you know like a painting is yeah, a, right, right. like an actual, it, painting, yeah. an actual painting is the same thing as an nft but you can decorate your wall with it you know it's an nft because it's whatever price you say it is or a couple of people agree it's completely random. Like it's not pegged to anything except for itself, you know. And they've got the money to buy it. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, that's those are the people that keep me afloat. I mean, like I'm not going to shit on them completely, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did really well during lockdown because people were confined in their homes for the first time, and they realized that their living spaces were a hovel and it was gross, and they should redecorate, <laughs> you know. So I I sold more art in the last two years than ever in my life. <laughs> you know, yeah, for that, because I had I have I have shit for your wall that'll look better than your crap 
crappy fucking poster that you've had up there gathering dust for 10 years or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because, yeah, most of those people never had to spend, you know, 23 hours inside or whatever, you know, or 24 hours inside. They'd spend five, you know, or and then go to sleep. Uh, so they'd never worry about it. But now they suddenly had to. We'll see what happens if, you know, if, if they get conned into going back to their offices or whatever. I hope they don't, but because most of these offices shouldn't exist. Uh, yeah. The best way I, I heard it described, it was on some other podcast, I think, about this guy that was, he just could not understand the absurdity of, like, leaving his, his house at six in the morning, like, with his laptop and like going by public transportation an hour to his office and opening the laptop in that other room, you know, and doing the same thing. Like, why did I have to make that trip? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what so many of these industries realized during lockdown. Yeah. Most of my friends that have office jobs are not, they're not going back. They're right. working from home. But yeah, the the real estate industry is just fucking terrified because they don't know what the fuck they're going to do with all these buildings, you know? Big, empty office buildings. Yeah, I, I went, uh, I finally got to do a reading, uh, a live reading. It was in uh, December in San Francisco. And that place is just like, uh, like a post-apocalyptic. I mean, <laughs> all the streets are just like, teeming with uh, homeless and uh, most quite obviously either mentally ill or heavily addicted to substances and then there's these absurdly expensive buildings just sitting empty right out right you know in the same on the same street you know it's the most like graphic like it's it's like the middle ages you know what I mean it's kind of yeah yeah (laughs) And they're because, you know, uh, because San Francisco's may possibly the most expensive city to live in there. It's the, the starkest that that contrast. Like, like, it seems like a no brainer. Put these fucking people inside some of these buildings, you know, Yeah. but they'll yeah. but these fuckers that own them, they are holding out for some future that's never going to be, you know. Yeah, yeah, they'll never do that. Yeah, they'll never do that. But I don't think it'll ever go back to what it was either, you know. Hopefully not. Yeah, I hope not. Yeah, I mean, there's a chance, and I'm not generally a hopeful person, but there's a chance to change a bunch of shit fundamentally. I don't, you know, and uh, I don't know if 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 they have the guts to people with actual, you know, decision making power. I don't know. Do, do you have any I just, any? I just got an alert. Uh-oh. I just, I, just got, I just got alert on my computer that my battery's about to die. Well, yeah, we, yeah, we should wrap this up. Yeah, we, we, we put in some time here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we did it up. After a few false starts and glitches, I, I think we did it. And then, I'm yeah. Proud of us. <laughs> Me too. And then, yeah, I'm looking forward to our, our other collaboration project, this, this cassette tape that's going to come out at some point. Yeah, yeah. Are we still good? We, we're still going for May. Cool. Yeah, the the production stuff has slowed down a little bit lately because of COVID and supply chain stuff. But yeah, I think we're pre- we're pretty good for like an end of May thing. Oh, sweet. Good, good. Yeah, I, I think yeah, 
Elizabeth and I have been in, in contact. It's, I think that the design stuff is more or less squared away. I mean, what she sent me looked pretty good. I don't know if you've seen it, but yeah, I, I yeah. love it. Yeah, I, I think love the bear. Yeah, yep, yeah, the old giant gummy bear. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Uh, it's uh, it's been nice, nice, nice to chat, and uh, thank you for doing this and yeah. uh, putting up with the the technology and uh, traveling yeah. miles and miles to make it happen. I appreciate it. <laughs> be I'll be in touch. I'll. I'll send you something as thanks. Uh, send you a package of something. Okay. Cool. Uh, well, yeah, let's keep in touch. Okay. Yeah, it was great talking to you. Is uh, about as real as we can get right now. Yeah, I know. One day in person, it's gonna happen. Yeah, if you ever go uh, on tour or what have you, stop stop through. Yeah, I, I would love to. I mean, Chicago is only it's maybe like nine hours from here. Is it? Not, I was gonna ask earlier how how far away. What, nine hours yeah that, that's that's doable yeah it's yeah. a nice little trip and then you could, there's also a train that goes straight there which is mm. pretty cool and fun mm. cool Choo -choo. well that's yeah that's something to look forward to yeah all right take take care adam talk, i'll right. talk to you. to you bye, bye.